Hey, I'm Alan McGuire. And I'm Andrea Cleary. And this is Juvenalia, a podcast where we talk to an interesting person about a bit of pop culture that was important to them when they were young. Our guest today is a returning guest all the way back from episode five. Welcome back, Imran McLeisel. Hello. It's lovely to be back. Yeah, so nice to see you. Um, you're going to talk to us about Adrian Mole. Yes. Which is very exciting. Yeah, I think I did my first Juvenalia um, on Jurassic Park, but I think Adrian Mole was definitely in the mix when mm-hmm. I was like battling. Well, what did I talk about? Um, yeah, Adrian Mole, very important to me. So for anybody who isn't familiar with Adrian Mole, what's a brief-ish summary, I guess, of what his, his deal is? So uh, the Adrian Mole series of books was written by Sue Townsend in the kind of late 80s and into the 90s she started writing them, um, based on a teenager called Adrian Mole. And the first book is called The Secret Diary of Adrian Mole, aged 13 and three quarters. And she went on to write, I think is it six or seven books um, of his diaries up until he's like an adult and working and been through like a marriage and everything like that but um they start off he's 13 in I think it's 1981 the first book starts at Mm. and we kind of see it from there so he's living a fairly working class you know not very rich life in um Leicester Ashby Ashby which was something that sounded so uh exotic like exotic to me as a child but no it's not exotic at all um so yeah so it's comedy writing it's kind of social writing it's written in diary form which I love it's Mm. one of my favorite formats and I just have always loved it it's probably one of the books that I've read the most times in my life I'm a rereader so I do go back Mm. and revisit books and that's definitely one I have a copy of it here today which is the first three books in a compendium and it is this is not it a visual medium, but it, it, it is falling apart. The first 24 pages are missing. Wow. It starts on page 25. <laughs> and this isn't even the first copy of Adrian Mole that I had. Like yeah. the first copy was just the first book. Mm-hmm. So this came afterwards and it is in bits. But so I ha- still have it. <laughs> how did you get the first book? Was it bought for you? Was it like... No, like I was in fifth class mm-hmm. in primary school and we used to get book catalogues. I don't know if you ever remember. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Vaguely remember that. I think it was yeah. Scholastic was the company mm-hmm. or they would sometimes come and do a book fair where you could go around and look at the books. But more often it was a catalogue, mm-hmm. like the Argos catalogue, but for books. And you would probably get one to bring home maybe or it was passed around the class and pick what you wanted Mm. so I was an avid reader and saw this and was like "Ooh, that looks I thought it looked kind of grown up because I was 11 and he was 13 and three quarters and I was like "Mm, I might be able to get away with reading something naughty you're describing Mm. exactly my first experience really yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) and so then you paid your money and a few weeks later the box would arrive I could still remember I actually just got a little jolt of excitement Aww. there thinking about the box arriving and you'd see it arrive and you'd be like oh, it's the box it's the box it's the box <laughs> and then the teacher being the you know horrible monsters that they were um, would just put the book like under her desk or the box mm. under her desk yeah and be like we'll do that at the end of the day or we'll do that and then if the book would come the box would come and out and you're not concentrating on anything else no you're just you're like what's in the box open the book reading yeah. is good let's yeah. get on board with this <laughs> and I remember her vividly calling me up to get my book and saying something like, I think you might be a bit too young for this. Like she was debating not giving it to me. Mm. But that's such a challenge to an 11 year old reader. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I mean, she had no choice but to give it to me Mm. within the catalogue. I mean, it wasn't like it was Fifty Shades of Grey or it's, you know, Mm. 1991 equivalent. (laughs) Um, So yeah, that's how I got it. The very first book. And I think it's probably at home in, in my mother's house somewhere. And I just started reading it and loved it. Like, mm. absolutely loved it. Alan, you said you had a similar experience. Yeah, I got it from her school library. Yeah. And it was the same as, like, I'd kind of gone through all the Ian Blyton books, read every single Famous Five book, yeah. and had read Jaws, the novelization of Jaws was in her wow. school library, gone through that. And I, yeah, I found this book, because when we got into, the, our library was split up by class, so it was, like, first, second class, third, fourth class, fifth, sixth class. Mm. So when you get into, into fifth class, you got this, like, new range of, like, wow. grown-up stuff. Um, I'm surprised Jaws was in there. Was it not very... It's a bit bloody. I'm not sure. I think yeah. there was like a little mix of donations and stuff they bought in. So, because obviously the book Jaws came out in like, like 1973 or yeah, something like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why it was in a fifth class school library in yeah. 1995. Um, but yeah, same thing. Got it. Loved it. Because he seemed a little bit older. Mm-hmm. Um, never went down the rest of it because this classic book fair came to our school and I got my first Terry Pratchett book. Okay. And then went off down that road. So it was fun to come back to it and read it again for the first time. And yeah. 
26 years. Um, yeah. But that's he, my, yeah. I, because I read it so often mm. and returned to it over and over again through my teen years as an adult, uh, I probably haven't read it now in several years, um, but I could just open a page and just know exactly what's mm. going on, especially mm. for the first three books, because I had this compendium, so they were most available to me. But mm. I've read it so many times that I can just quote it kind of from memory yeah. or I, I it pops into my head a lot mm-hmm. or I see things now. I think what happened with a lot of particularly Irish readers of Adrian Mole was they didn't understand maybe at least 20 percent mm-hmm. of the cultural references and yeah. there was so much of that i remember adrian reading the guardian on a school tour on the bus mm-hmm. and i just didn't know what the guardian was yeah. so i was just mm. like is it a like it sounded to me he he was hiding behind it maybe kissing pandora who was his mm. on again off again girlfriend and i was just like is it a newspaper is it like a thing that you use to hide mm-hmm behind when you're kissing mm. is it like what is it <laughs> and there was so much of that the newspaper stuff is really so i i read this for the first time this week oh wow no way yeah oh my god completely ne- never read any of the books before um and i think like that i was just reading a different series when yeah. i was um i'm also i would like i wasn't i was 11 in 2001 mm-hmm. so i don't know how much it was like in the in the consciousness like the first book certainly but um when he first gets his paper route, mm. um, the you know this this family reads like the Sun and the Mirror, yeah. and this family reads the Guardian and like the, the, all this like that was very very funny to me as an adult. I don't know if I would have understood yeah. mm-hmm. that those are kind of you know very different political or I almost party lines. Didn't understand. Yeah, sure. there was one. Yeah. There was one where um, he he didn't deliver a Guardian to, to one of the houses and. Uh, he he had to the the shopkeeper was then like oh just send him like a mail on Sunday or something instead and that person brought it back to the shop and was like no I, I'd rather have nothing at all thank you very much yeah. <laughs> it's just very oh, very that's funny that's exactly the kind of thing where I would have been like because I would have known the tabloids I think I probably yeah. would have got that bit of it but other, otherwise I'd be like the mail on Sunday don't know what yeah, that what is, is that? Yeah. I don't know what that is but still was like okay they're posh and that's not posh exactly yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah but there was a there's a lot of like class Mm. structure visible mm. in Adrian Mo. Like she definitely, Sue Townsend is definitely like poking fun yeah. at all kind of levels. Um, and and a- a- Adrian does it as well. I mean, this, when when him and his father have their electricity turned off and he's, they're, they're around this heater and eating cold beans from a tin. And then like the, the last line is just, I've started reading Hard Times by Charles Dickens. <laughs> <laughs> Because he's an intellectual. Yeah, well, we have we we haven't said that actually. Um, Adrian is is an intellectual. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's Adrian, an aspiring intellectual. Adrian himself is. Yeah, he definitely sees himself as an intellectual. He sees himself as definitely more intellectual than most of the people around him, mm. and he likes to show off wherever he can that mm. he is an intellectual. He writes his own absolutely horrific poetry, <laughs> but in hindsight. It's actually amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I was quite impressed by the poems. Um, Penguin, who or Michael Joseph, who published the Adrian Mill books now, released a book of his poetry a few years ago. I think it was to mark an anniversary or something. Mm. And I had I tried to find it, but I couldn't find it at home. And it was just, I was just flicking through it. So many poems about Pandora and mm. his eternal love. Poems about Margaret Thatcher. Poems about, you know, a dripping tap. Poems yeah. about this old man that he visited for, you know, much of his teen years. Um, but yeah, so funny. Like yeah. there's so much humor, mm-hmm. kind of in every line. Yeah. Um, did you find it funny, Andrea? Oh, I did. Yeah. yeah. Like from the first page, I can't remember what the opening line was, but I, I, I felt like I was in, I was in very good hands. Yeah. From, mm-hmm. um, where, where is the opening line? Um. Oh yeah. These are my New Year's resolutions. Mm-hmm. One, I will help the blind across the road. Two, I will hang my trousers up. Three, I will put the sleeves back on my records. Four, I will not start smoking. Five, I will stop squeezing my spots. Six, I will be kind to the dog. Seven, I will help the poor and ignorant. (laughs) Eight, after hearing the disgusting noises from downstairs last night, I've also vowed never to drink alcohol. (laughs) And then it's just like the, and then the next line is, my father got the dog drunk on cherry brandy at the party last night. 
brilliant. Like, I, I knew I was straight away in. I like, felt this family. So many away. of those resolutions are actually themes or like mm. little plot devices that carry on. Yeah. Like Adrian's skin is a great trial to him. Oh. And I feel up. so much for him. Yeah, it goes on until adulthood oh. about his squeezing his spots and trying to treat his spots. And I remember at one point in one of the later books, or maybe he does he get his American pen pal in the first book? Uh, no. No. He gets an American pen pal called Hamish Mancini mm-hmm. and Hamish comes to visit and stay in the, you know, two up, two down that mm. lives in, in Leicester. Um, but Hamish, I remember, sends him a recipe to treat his skin and it's to, like blend frogs in a blender and put oh, them God. on his skin and Adrian's like, even I will not stoop so low <laughs> to do that. But yeah, his skin is a great trial to him. The dog, which never gets a name. It's just or, called or a, the dog. Or a pronoun. Just it. Yeah, just mm. it. It's constantly yeah. it. And, and everybody hates this dog. Yeah. yeah. The dog features heavily in several of the books until he sadly dies. Um, and his parents... Yeah, relationship obsessed with the the mom having the affair with the next door neighbor. Yeah, Mr. Like, Lucas. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. I re- I look I w- I did find myself like wanting to skip forward. I'm like, where where's Mr. Lucas? Come on, yeah. we need we need, yeah. we need Mr. Lucas here. Like I was yeah, I really really loved that whole thread because Adrian is so clueless. Yeah, like he doesn't mm-hmm. he really doesn't know anything about interpersonal relationships until they're expressly explained yeah. to him like he yeah he can be does like does not get subtext mr lucas was you know under my mother's bed looking for yeah. her you know earring yes. what a nice man yeah you know this kind of thing yeah yeah he is really clueless or he, he he came over for dinner while dad was out mrs lucas mustn't make him anything nice poor mr lucas yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. It's there's always... a bit early on where mr lucas drives his mother to the shop and on the way they Past Mrs. Lucas coming yes. back with shopping bags. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Laden good. with shopping bags. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So his parents' relationship is very up and down. There's a lot of infidelity. There are children, you know, out of wedlock. Mm. Um, I think both his mother and his father have kids that, you know, are there's a Rosie Lucas, mm. <laughs> um, Adrian's sister, and then his brother is, I think it's Brett Slater. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, his yeah. father has an affair with Doreen Slater, who Adrian calls Stick Insect. Yes, yeah. Doreen. Yes, yeah. who he works with. I think. Yes, somebody from the office, mm-hmm. and yeah. he wanted to go over to hers for dinner. And yeah. oh, yeah. his father is an, an electric storage salesman. salesman? Yeah. yeah, electric storage heater salesman. Um, and possibly he. Ha- it's been. So- I did, haven't reread the first book especially not the first 24 pages because they're missing. <laughs> mm. um, but I've just read it so often. I think he goes in an electric storage heater salesman's conference, maybe, okay. <laughs> at some point in one of the books and definitely has an illicit affair there. Um, but he's out of work for much yeah. of the Adrian books. Um, and he's, he's a really, really sad character in the first one. Like There's a bit where it's before they... S- split up before they tell Adrian that they're officially splitting up but his dad you can tell his dad wants to come in and like have a moment with his son mm. and it's my father came into the bedroom this morning he said he wanted a chat he looked at my Kevin Keegan scrapbook screwed the knob of my wardrobe door back on with a Swiss army knife and asked me about school and it's just I think that just ca- really captures like a man trying to have an emotional yeah. conversation with his boy yeah. like just like oh I'll just I'll bring my screwdriver yeah. and I'll just like, I'll just screw things around. I'll pick up something. And then I think he, he just, he says that they're go- going through a bad patch. Yeah. And it, oh, it's very sweet. Yeah. Like I really feel for his father. Like yeah. I really, really feel for him. He's, he's a very sweet character and like slightly pathetic as well, which yeah. is funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of humor in, in him. <laughs> Poor George. Poor George. I remember one of the things that I didn't understand was the big end going on his dad's car. There was always something wrong with the car. Mm. And as is the way, I mean, I grew up in the 80s and we didn't have a huge amount of money and we had one car and if something happened to it, it was like, oh, this is a disaster. Mm. Like, we really need this. Um, but I remember the big end going in his dad's car and I was just like, what can that... To this day, I don't really know what that means. I don't, yeah. It must be... I, know, assumed the exhaust it was like, going I assumed it was the exhaust. Clutch or something's gone. Yeah. But um I don't drive, so I don't know. I'm dead whenever yeah. anyone talks about cars, I just kind of <laughs> switch off. <laughs> um uh Adrian's uh love affair. Um with Pandora. With Pandora. Yeah. So Pandora is this, he calls her, her his treacle haired love. And um, nice poems for her. That, yeah, yeah. And he goes to school with her and 
there was an Adrian Mole TV show mm. that I think the BBC made and I never watched it because I just was afraid that yeah. it wasn't going to mm-hmm. be what I imagined. I'm not usually like that about adaptations. Like I'm not, you know, oh, it's always worse. But I remember I have seen the pictures over the years and Pandora, neither Adrian nor Pandora are what I imagined them to look like because mm-hmm. in my head they were a lot older mm-hmm. than 13. Yeah, yeah. Because I first read when I was 11 and I, in my head, they were much older teenagers, yeah. mm-hmm. even though they were only 13 and three quarters. Um, so when I first saw Adrian and Pandora portrayed on screen, they were so young, mm. like so young. In my head, Pandora was almost like a Bond girl. Okay. Like, yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> like her hair was so shiny yeah. and she was so beautiful and she was almost certainly wearing some kind of heel. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny because coming to it as an adult, uh, Pandora is like this, to me, this kind of very scrappy 13 year old with like scabs on her knee like I think there's there's one point where he's like slightly objectifying her in her skirt and then he's like oh she's got great legs she had a scab on one of her knees from something yeah <laughs> which I, I thought was very cute I think that probably kiddish. is how she is portrayed in the yeah. tv show yes um, yeah and but in my head she will always be this glamorous kind of is it Ursula Andress who's lying yeah, yeah. yeah it's mm. like that's what she's like in my head yeah and I remember reading an interview with Sue Townsend where she talked about she never had Adrian's face in her mind until she first saw John Major. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, oh, that's what Adrian's going to look like when he grows up. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, but yeah, Pandora is Adrian. I mean, pa- he sets her up as this unattainable beauty. Mm. And you're like, oh, she'll never go for him. But she does. I yeah. mean, she's mm. like, you know, they get to get there. They're together on and off for all of the books really mm. um her trajectory is much different to his she's from a much more well-off family um she has they, a pony she has a yeah. pony but also left wing yeah yeah her parents yeah. are socialists she she actually goes on to be like a blair's babe oh, oh she becomes an mp doesn't she, she yeah. becomes an mp Does she? Yeah. Oh, wow. yeah but she's she's very very left she's yeah. she's um but yeah she has a pony she's you know, she's basically out of Adrian's league, mm. but she does, you know, she goes for him mm. on and off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's a great trial to him um, when she goes off and is with another man or she, another boy. Another man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, she's with, um, she's with his pal with the, with the cool racing bike. Nigel. Nigel. Yeah. In this book. Yeah. And, so, yeah. His, and, and like, all of the, the diary entries during that period are so funny because he's talking about like his family issues or school or his spots or his parents. And then it's as if he realizes that he hasn't mentioned the the plight and the heartache yeah. of Pandora. So he'll just put in like at the end of the diary entry, like Pandora, my heart bleeds. <laughs> and that's it. Or just like, oh, my soul, Pandora. And it's just like this one line. Yeah. Like he's like, oh, God, yeah, I forgot to do the Pandora yeah. thing. Or when, it could be that he's like so heartbroken he can't bring himself like he's holding it in yes and then he's like pandora yeah i wonder if one of his poems that's always stuck in my head is like pandora i adore you i implore you don't ignore me yeah and <laughs> that made me laugh a lot like incredible brilliant incredible. Mm-hmm. But, but he's written so many um poems about pandora her pony's name is blossom mm. and i think when he and pandora are broken up he goes over and visits blossom like kind of in secret mm. Mm. Which is kind of sad. He brings the the elderly man who he Oh, Bert visits. Baxter, yeah. He brings Bert over because Bert likes horses. And Bert's like, it's not a horse, it's a pony. But yeah. then he like pets her and yeah. gives her little food and apples and stuff. Which yeah. is very sweet. Bert Baxter is Bert. another incredible character. Yeah, brilliant. So um, I think, it, as you said, in Adrian's resolutions at the very start of the book, he says he's going to, you know, help certain people. And Bert is one of the people he helps. Mm. So he's an older man who has an Alsatian the name of which escapes Saber. me. Saber. Saber. Um, Bert likes to eat beetroot straight, straight from the jar mm-hmm. and like spills the beetroot juice all over. That's another thing as a younger kid or a teenager. I was just like, I don't think I'd ever seen beetroot in a jar. I just didn't really understand. Yeah. What he, why was he, you know, it was just, what is this man doing? It sounds horrific. Yeah. A lot of the food stuff was very different very different supermarkets didn't know what they were i remember he him eating like a curry and microwaving it in a plastic bag but boiling the bag rice and curry yeah yeah and it was like a 
just words I, I just knew nothing they, about. They didn't arrive here, I don't think, until like the year 2000. Yeah, very mm-hmm. exotic. in the bag, yeah. rice came. Yeah. <laughs> um, so all of that stuff, like just, and even going back and reading some of it now, I still don't know. I remember Joss sticks, which mm. I think are incense sticks. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Were mentioned quite a bit through a lot of the books and... I mean, I didn't know what incense was. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what any drugs were called. So I was just like, is it like mm. water? What can it be? Like, yeah. so just, I don't know. I don't know what was going on. Mm. But um, yeah, Bert Baxter is a constant throughout the books again until he dies, quite yeah. sadly. Um, he goes into a, or is he living in a home in the first book? He's living uh, at home. He's, he's at home. Yeah, because yeah. a- Adrian pretends to be his grandson and calls up social services yeah. to try and get him a bit of help. And they were, and then Bert lies and said, "Oh no, my grandson comes once a week and does the dishes." And he starts leaving all the dishes for Adrian to do yeah. uh, because he does such a good job every week. And I think he's just trying to get Adrian to come and yeah. spend a bit of time with him. And yeah, I think reading Bert as an adult is much harder yeah mm. because there, there's just such a sadness yeah, there really and sad. like we all know elderly people or have known elderly people and you're like just thinking about elderly people being lonely yeah. i was just like oh god <laughs> this yeah. is my heart bird yeah. yeah yeah and for like adrian is such like he's such a twerp he's such a dweeb yeah yeah and for twerp he, is the word isn't it yeah it's the exact word for yeah. yeah yeah he's a little twerp yeah. Yeah. yeah he really is and for for bert to be relying on Adrian you're like God, oh, Bertus must be really hard up because mm. like Adrian yeah. I love him to bits but I mean I don't know how lovable he would have been he, <laughs> as a person he can be quite kind he gets yeah. he does get attached to the things like he does miss his mother quite a lot when she moves out yeah. and he does care about the dog more than he lets on in yeah. the early parts of the book and yeah. he really does care about Bert a lot as well I think yeah yeah um, yeah the stuff with the stuff yeah. with his mother is, is kind of sad because mm. I mean she's not like a, she doesn't mistreat him really. No, like, but she doesn't know about vitamins. No, no. <laughs> no she, and he does hear them arguing about who has to take him when they spit up. That's really that's sad. True. That yeah. bit was yeah. really, really sad. Mm. Yeah, but also very funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, oh my god, it's all always on this knife edge. Like almost mm-hmm. everything in the Adrian Mole books are on that knife edge of yeah. tragic and like mm. perfect balance of tragic and and comedy. Um, but I remember one of my favorite quotes was Adrian he goes through a depression um i don't think it's in the first book it's after a breakup with pandora mm-hmm. and he won't get out of bed and go to school and then eventually he does and he asks his mother for a note and his mother gives him the note and she's like adrian was late for school because he didn't get out of bed until half 11 and like she won't do mm-hmm. any of the lying yeah. she, she, just yeah, she, like, she never lets it. she never gives him a note to get out of games Being, yeah uh, which he calls it yeah games yeah uh, and her whole i guess like awakening as a woman you know going to the women's reading groups reading the second sex and the female eunuch and all of that i i I found all of that so so funny because it's very of its time as well yeah um yeah she finds feminism she finds feminism and then you know as as a sort of typical of portrayals of women who found feminism at at that time she comes home and she says things are going to change in here she puts up like a chore wheel on the wall and then adrian's next day's entry is just a list of all the chores he (laughs) did that day (laughs) (laughs) which is like it's an incredible list of things yeah Yeah. Yeah. just so much (laughs) like i did the ironing i cooked the dinner for them yeah the parts that make me really sad are when he has to kind of fend for himself and I know he's sort of playing it up in the in his diary because my I think he's writing a diary so that when he is an intellectual people will read his diaries mm-hmm. yeah. in the past and say oh yeah. my goodness what a talent and you know how, how hard up things were but he does kind of talk about having to uh, make his own meals yeah. or um, like oh mom and dad didn't make dinner tonight so I just had blah 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 and I'm like oh I know oh no oh. and 13 and three quarters like it, it's really young that's young like it's really that's young you've a, a lot on yeah yeah mm. um and like I said I do still think of him as being older than he is because of when I first came to it but it is so young yeah like when you think about yourself being not yet 14 mm. Like useless. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely yeah. useless. If you're still defining your age by how many quarters into the age you are, you yeah. are still a kid. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's... Yeah. yeah. I remember listening to Sue Townsend on Desert Island Discs, which she recorded, I think, in the early 90s. And 
I think was it Sue Lawley was the presenter at the time anyway but she catches Sue Townsend doing that with her own age mm. she's like oh well I was you know 21 and a half at the time and she's like oh that's oh. something you really do and she's <laughs> like yeah I suppose I do oh that's so sweet yeah yeah wow. um but yeah you do stop doing that I suppose yeah maybe when you get to 15 something yeah. like although that although he's still doing it in the cappuccino years yeah so yeah well he never really grows up properly yeah. <laughs> So what what does happen with Adrian? Um, I'm I I, I, I I'm going to read these books, but I'm very curious as to like, does he become a poet? What does he? Want? He does end up doing some work for the BBC. Oh, I'm delighted! So, <laughs> I'm so happy for him. But like, it's always with this edge of kind of tragedy. Okay. Or you know, he's just badgered somebody so much, like a kind of a partridge thing. Yes. Okay. Very yeah. much. Yeah. yeah. So he ends up, a few things he ends up doing. He ends up becoming a chef in like a really well-known London restaurant. Oh. Awful is like, you know, a food trend. <laughs> yeah. And he, like Adrian can't cook anything. Yeah. But I mean, he can cook awful. Mm-hmm. Because, and like the thing is, the food is so bad, but it's so good. So he ends up becoming like a celebrity chef at one point. <laughs> he gets reviewed by A.A. A. Gill. Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah. <laughs> that was, I was like, who's A.A. A. Gill? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who are these people? Um, what else does he, he writes a truly terrible novel called Low the Flat Hills of My Homeland. <laughs> <laughs> and the first edition, he toys with it not having any vowels and sends it to an agent and they send it back and they're like this is one of the biggest pieces of crap I've ever seen um he writes loads more poems he one of another abiding theme is his obsession with the Norwegian leather industry oh yes yes there's a bit of that in the in the first one yeah Yeah. which I really relate to because I anyone who did geography for their leaving search like I remember doing geography for my leaving search and it wasn't the Norwegian leather industry that came up but it was something very similar mm. it was and I think it was Norwegian so you have to learn you know the causes and consequences of some industry and it just sticks with you yeah I mean there's things I'm sure all of us learn for our leaving cert and they just stick with you yeah. and you're like I could probably get 100 marks on that even today mm. yeah for Adrian that's the Norwegian leather industry and he brings it it go to for his whole life he's making <laughs> conversations about it that's brilliant and he ends up working in like an environmental agency or the environmental agency in like the small amphibian section okay um he with responsibility for newts um, so that becomes part of his life for a while um he fathers a few children oh wow okay yeah, he gets married to a nigerian woman called jojo yeah and they have a son called william she leaves him inevitably and william stays with him for a while and then he has another illegitimate son called uh glenn bot <laughs> with a woman called sharon bot who he went to school with um barry what is the name of his the school boy? Oh, Barry Kent. Barry Kent mm. ends up, much to Adrian's horror, ends up becoming like a literary hero. Oh, no. Barry, <laughs> Barry, goes, devastating. Barry goes to prison and like writes these kind of like rough and ready prison, a prison novel or prison diaries and like oh, no. becomes a darling of the literary scene. Um, that's devastating. So, that is. so does his half-brother does as well, doesn't he? He becomes like a public intellectual and documentary maker and stuff and like everything yeah. Adrian's presenting himself as his yeah. brother becomes. So when his yeah. when um, Adrian's dad George has the affair with Dorian Slater, uh, Dorian has a son called Brett yeah. and he go, does go on to become an intellectual. And then Adrian's half-sister Rosie, who his mother has with Mr. Lucas, ah. which her parentage actually isn't revealed until later. Mm. But um, she doesn't become an intellectual, but she becomes kind of a... a a teenager that needs a lot, some guidance that mm. Adrian's able to give to her, which is quite nice. And she mm. ends up having an abortion, which Adrian kind of has a hand in oh, helping wow. her through, um, okay. which is quite interesting, especially, you know, was written 30 years ago mm. or whatever. So um, some one of those kind of interesting social topics that, that's covered. But yeah, there are a few of the things I haven't read up to the very, I haven't read the last two books. Okay. Um, I read up as far as Weapons of Mass Destruction, Adrian Mole and the Weapons of Mass Destruction, which brings us up to Adrian living in the time of the Iraq War. Um, wow. And that was published in 2004 and I haven't read any since okay. then. Is there a reason you haven't? Um, I think I probably just wasn't that aware, wasn't like really keeping... Mm. 
aware of more being published okay if you know mm. what I mean yeah so um, it's, it's not like you decided like no no I'm and I, I will go back yeah and read them again um I think as you get older and especially like I'm a writer now so I kind of feel like I have to be constantly reading new books mm. there's so many books there's too yeah. many books I really want to go back and read all of Adrian Mole mm. and then read all of you know up as far as the last one is called Adrian Mole the prostrate years okay I believe he discovers he has cancer. Oh, wow. I don't know what happens at the end of it. Um, Sue Townsend died in 2014. So, and she was working, I think, on oh, another okay. Adrian book at the time. Ah. But it has never been published and I don't think it ever will. I don't think it was... I don't think it was far enough along. I think she had plans for two more to finish it off, I think. But Yeah. Then, That's such a yeah, shame. Yeah, it is shame. It's uh, a real shame, yeah. yeah. Um, but I... It, no, there was no reason really. I mean, mm. I loved... I remember reading... Um, weapons of mass destruction i think i got it for christmas one year probably hadn't really thought about it hadn't planned on i know not that i hadn't planned on reading it but i did read it and i was like it's just as good as ever yeah it's it's just all the same characters pop up and he's still having the same problems he's still trying to you know get a book published or Mm. but he does get onto the bbc um he's the third book in the series which is true confessions of adrian albert mole it's written a little bit differently. So it's some of it is diary entries, but then some of it is correspondence with people. Mm. So it's correspondence with his American pen pal. It's correspondence with Barry Kent, who I think is in prison. Okay. It's, he seems to have gotten himself a slot on BBC Radio 4, where he's just kind of reading a radio essay. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it is, I don't know if you've ever read Bridget Jones', Jones diary. I think it's the second yeah. one where she does an interview with Colin Firth who plays Mr. Darcy in Pride and Prejudice and Mm. she's obsessed with him. And it's really, really hilariously written because it's been taped and it's her kind of train of thought Mm -hmm. and she's like just, she completely loses her questions. She's, that's what Adrian's Radio 4 appearances seem to be. Oh, so there's the the kind of the transcriptions of the... It's the the transcriptions of what uh, he said and he's left his notes on the train and then he goes off on a tangent. Because that's so interesting because we never really truly hear his his voice, how he speaks. Yeah. It's always mediated through his his written voice. Yeah. Which is, you know, heavily curated. Yeah. Because Mm -hmm. he's writing in a diary for future generations to find and think that he's so clever. So this is more kind of his his train of thought yeah he's just speaking into a microphone and it's never really explained what's going on but just in the very first one of those excerpts it's like i want to thank mr tideman for you know having me on bbc radio 4 or whatever wow um yeah so i mean he does achieve a lot of his goals mm. but just they're they're always slightly tragic yeah yeah it's it's never with the kind of like oh i've made it no kind mm. of which I think is kind of true of, yeah. you know, the yeah. dreams and or goals it, it that It might have. be for him that he's kind of made it, but I mean, you can de- tell the work isn't good. Yes. He's mostly got there by badgering mm-hmm. or some kind of crazy look. Mm. Um, I didn't realise that I was reading Sue Townsend's like, biography that the guy in the BBC that he writes to all the time is the actual guy in the BBC who commissioned the first Adrian Mole radio shows. Yeah. Oh, it's the wow. same, it's like, he's like a little tribute to him. the same guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. John, John, John Tideman, Tideman, I think yeah, is his yeah. name. Um, yeah, she, she grew up in poverty and like didn't become successful, I think until she was in at least her thirties. Um, but yeah, Adrian Mole started off as a radio play. It was just a character she'd just written Mm. kind of just to write. She loved writing and it somehow found its way into the BBC and he loved it and commissioned Mm. it. And that's how it became books. Right. Yeah. Um, she, I read, I read a couple of her other books that aren't Adrian Mole. One of my favorite books ever is a book by her called The Queen and I, which is the premise is it's in the UK and a Republican party has won an election Mm. and the royal family is ousted from Buckingham Palace and they have to go and live in a council estate. Okay. It is so funny. It's written at the time of like Charles. And so in the Adrian Mole books, Adrian's obsessed with Princess Diana. Yeah. We see him seeing the wedding of Charles mm-hmm. and Diana and the birth of Prince William. And he loves Diana. And he's like, 
you know, Princess Diana got married and, you know, I in, she helped an old man up the aisle in her dirty white dress. <laughs> it's like, oh, he hasn't a clue. And I remember in a later book, there was a quote I loved and it was something about, oh yeah, why didn't palace flunkies arrange for Princess Diana to be kept dry at the open air Pavarotti concert? <laughs> <laughs> He's just, he loves Princess Diana so much. Aww. So... It's kind of linked. I think somewhere in one of the Adrian Mole books, there is like the idea that the royal family could be, you know, ousted mm. and forced to live kind of as commoners. Um, but that is what happens. Yeah. And they go and live in this council estate and they make friends with <laughs> all of the people in the council estate. Like Prince Charles really leans into the lifestyle, ends up going on the run. <laughs> <laughs> Princess Diana falls in love with kind of, you know, uh, a shameless character and yeah it's really really funny and really good okay again it was a book i read when i was a good bit younger probably didn't get a lot of the references but i've read it again the older i've gotten and it's just so sharp mm. and so funny um yeah so she i read then i read another book of hers which was more serious and i didn't wasn't that gone on it it's mm. like the woman who went to bed for a year i think it was called Mm. it was okay which sounds like it walked so that my year of rest and relaxation could run sort possibly. of thing <laughs> yeah possibly yeah but yeah uh, she's she she was a very funny woman yeah I mean I just think even just in the in the first few pages that I was reading just that voice that teenage boy voice was just so it just felt so honed and lived in and it just felt he really felt like a proper character he a proper person. feels very much like someone who reads a lot more than he actually talks to people mm, yeah and especially reads like newspapers yeah there's a lot of like weird newspaper speak in there yeah i feel as flu he says like he needs to recuperate fully to like renew his vigor yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I love he does a lot of lists in the books, mm -hmm. like lists of resolutions. He does lists of Christmas presents, and there's one Christmas that he gets um, an Oxford dictionary. It could be a thesaurus, mm. and from his parents, he gets an Oxford thesaurus, and he gets an electric razor, and he gets something else. And they're really thoughtful presents from his parents, and he loves all of them. And he's like, the thesaurus is really going to come in handy with my writing. And I think then in the following entries you can see where he's used <laughs> oh that's so sweet but he also then overhears his parents talking about how all of the presents were got on credit mm. and how are they uh. going to cope in the coming weeks and it just that tinge of sadness like all the Christmases have that kind of sadness mm. behind them where there's no money or there's the parents aren't together or there's some kind of drama going on um, there's a really funny bit in one of the books where his mother's parents are from Norfolk like he calls them my mother's inbred relations from Norfolk <laughs> and they come for like just one day over Christmas and one of them loses a grey sock and like the letters that come looking for the grey sock and the house has to be turned upside right. down it's just so funny yeah you can't imagine his mother coming from like a farm yes mm. um but she does but I mean she she's completely kind of divorced from her family Mm -hmm. you know we, I don't think we ever see them again there that's the only kind of insight you get into that aspect of her life yeah and his his grandmother like his father's mother mm. doesn't like the mother no like no. she's she's not into her no she doesn't like her at all um yeah that grandmother like she plays she has a like kind of a middling role in Adrian's life I think yeah like, she's definitely around yeah. in the first mm. book but I think eight Adrian kind of thinks of her the way you tend to think of grandparents at that yeah. age, which is like, oh, I, sh I should go to visit her. Yeah. But, but without, you know, there being a whole lot of interest in actually yeah. getting to know her because he's got Bert. Yeah. Bert? Yeah. Yeah, Bert. Um, he's kind of got Bert for that. And that's that's his, you know, elderly or ignorant who he's helping, you know, across the street or yeah. whatever it is. You yeah. Know? Yeah. yeah. Um, I remember one of my favorite quotes that kind of sums Adrian up is like he's like I'm what whatever age I am you're like 14 and a quarter and I've never seen a dead body or a female nipple and that's, <laughs> that's what comes from living in a cul-de-sac yeah <laughs> oh yeah the big, big and busty or big and, big bust, and bouncy, or big and big bouncy, and bouncy yeah. is the uh yeah the magazine that he 
I, how, yeah. how does he get it again? Somebody gives it to him. The, his newspaper round. Yeah, like, that's it. Yeah. Someone as like a bonus. Yeah. yeah. But also he finds some. Is it in Mr. Lucas's? Yeah, house? Mr. Lucas definitely yeah. has some. Yeah, some yeah. girly magazines. Yeah. And his dad reads Playboy at one point. While 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 Adrian is where is reading Hard Times, his dad was reading something that was in Playboy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's when the grandmother came in and realized how they were living. Yes. Yeah. 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 She, yeah. she wasn't too pleased. Adrian is just kind of discovering his sexuality or his body. Mm-hmm. In in the books, and he starts measuring, as he calls it, his thing. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Which he does. He carries on doing that. That's another kind of theme <laughs> that carries on. He worries about his spots. He worries about the length of his thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I remember that being a more regular part of the book when I read it first. I feel like they might have edited some references to it out. Oh, I wonder. I, have. I don't know. Maybe I just really overemphasize it in my own mind and my memory of it that he measured his thing a lot. Yeah, it's like three or four times in the first book, I think. But, yeah, yeah, he does measure quite a bit, but mm. yeah, maybe it would stick out to a teenager yeah, more. I don't remember how I reacted to that aspect mm. of it when I was first reading it. Mm. I probably didn't really understand because I think kind he was of, measuring it in its two in its two different forms. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and, and you'd be like, like I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, because stuff like that can kind of. It, it can stick out to you more when you're a teenager because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, this is a bold bit. Yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. naughty bit. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and then you, you you like read it a few times to try and understand it. But if you if you don't understand it at all, you're just like, I don't know. You were just a horny little boy. Yeah, <laughs> I was just eleven like... years old. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, Adrian's sort of yeah his his emerging sexuality is is written quite sweetly yeah. I think like he's he'd be like oh I saw Pandora in, in PE today her her chest was jumping about yeah. she'll need a bra soon yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. so sweet yeah like, I remember the first time he ever touches one of Pandora's breasts and he's like you know I, I touched Pandora's chest today I think I felt something soft Aww. like that's like, it was probably just her jumpers yeah <laughs> yeah but yeah she's quite willing to kind of let him you know Go to a certain point. Mm. Um, I think she was a good first girlfriend. Mm. Well, I mean, she carries on throughout his life. He's she's always in his life. Um, but yeah, I w- I want to know especially how they end up. Yeah, I'm worried that Sue Townsend never got to finish the Adrian and Pandora do you, story. Do you want them to end up together? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Adrian or Pandora goes through all these funny. Um, Stages like she goes through a celibate stage. She has a marriage of convenience with her gay best friend. Mm. She said when she's celibate, she's like, "I'm not going to get married until I'm 35, and then I'm going to have one child, and her name's going to be Liberty." And it's clear that the child is not going to be Adrian's. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah. Whereas he by by that time has two kids mm. and is supporting kind of both of them. One of them, um, Glenn, is living with him. Glenn Bot, who's the son Adrian didn't know he had until Glenn is, I think, 13, maybe. Mm. So it's almost like Glenn is the new Adrian. Yes. Yeah. And there's a really sweet bit at the end of one of the books where Adrian finds Glenn's diary. And it's about how great Adrian is. Oh, written in the diary. So, so it's lovely. Oh. But I mean, Glenn is like, he's a dum-dum. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not an intellectual. No, I like don't. Like his father. Well, you never know. Maybe he'll he'll turn out to be an yeah. intellectual. But I'm, mm, I'm and, not sure. And did you, um, at this age, did you start keeping a diary? Or did you keep a diary already? Or No, I never really keeper? did. Mm. No. I kind of wished I did. Mm. And sometimes we'll kind of performatively say I'm going to start keeping a diary but I never Mm -hmm. that was my issue with trying to keep a diary was that it was all far too performative I could never actually properly write about what was going on because like you live in a house with other people and everyone's nosy and everyone wants to read your diary yeah in your mind and it just felt like work yeah Yeah. like why would I want to do more school work yeah yeah I think the only like I used to kind of keep track of things Mm. Like, you know, boys you've kissed or yeah. you know, not that it was a huge number, but you know, <laughs> it was more that kind of thing. Mm. No, never really kept and it, yeah, if I was to read back on it now, it would be it would be like Adrian with the Thesaurus, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, I, I I think I, I probably thought that I was going to grow up to be an intellectual as a child. I, I think I, I see a lot of myself at, oh, at really? that age in Adrian. Because like also grew up and, you know, kind of like 
council estate not a whole lot of money but was a reader yeah and thought that that made me really special yeah like because my parents didn't read novels or anything so I was like well I have been yeah. you know ordained with this gift of being able to like read novels or whatever <laughs> you know and was like yeah I'll definitely grow up and write all, all my novels and everyone would think I'm very very clever <laughs> and reading Adrian I'm like oh it's a bit close to the bone actually Sue <laughs> she didn't have to come at me like that but yeah he's um yeah I think if, if I was to read um I did keep a diary for a little bit at that time but it was that that's what made me kind of when reading Adrian I was like oh it's all performative it's all so that somebody in the future will read it because yeah. that's how I wrote diaries at, yeah. that, at that time you know and, which I think is very sweet and a very 13 year old thing to yeah. do you know oh god I love Adrian because you're starting to think <laughs> about your legacy and he's like obsessed with his legacy yeah. you know yeah. at 13 and you just want to shake him and be like no it's fine everything's gonna be okay but he's so devoted to his writing and he, he just is. he never gives up mm. Like he writes that terrible novel and he writes, yeah. I think kind of an, he calls it an opus about newts because of his work <laughs> in the small amphibian department, which he eventually leaves because he hates it so much. But um, yeah, he writes a lot mm. and we see so many glimpses of it. He, there's this famous um, poem in one, of, it's not in the first book, I don't think. Or it might be about Mrs. Thatcher. Do you weep, Mrs. Thatcher? Do you weep? It's I not in the first no, one. No, I don't yeah, think I do know so. It though, yeah, it's yeah. incredible. When yeah. Sue Townsend died, it was kind of the one that everyone was sharing on oh, Twitter and stuff. Oh, okay, right. Because yeah, he just, hates Thatcher. He hates mm. Thatcher. He hates her. Yeah, he hates Thatcher. And also Pandora hates Thatcher because she comes from... He, do, he does say that she has a very kind voice with the eyes of a psychopath. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think he's kind... He's not like... I don't know if it's the Thatcherite politics that he hates so much. I think mm. he just has this innate knowledge that he... That, that, he's she's not, that he's supposed bad. to be yeah. anti-Thatcher. Yeah. 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 And right. I remember in that poem, like, he's like, do you sleep, Mrs. Thatcher? Do you sleep while you're something about people going to up? And he's like, do you weep like a sad willow on your Marks and Spencer pillow? Do you weep, Mrs. <laughs> Thatcher? Do you weep? Stunning. That is like pure poetry. Yeah. And mm -hmm. again, when I was younger, I was like, Marks and Spencer, I feel like that's posh. Oh, of course, right. My granny lived in the, in Northern Ireland, so we would go up a lot. Mm. And there was Marks and Spencer in Northern Ireland before they were in Ireland. Mm. And I knew it was very posh. Right. We certainly never went there. <laughs> yeah. And I just thought it was so brilliant. Yeah. And a lot of that kind of political humour is in The Queen and I, which is mm. that standalone novel. I would definitely read that because that sounds absolutely brilliant. brilliant. Yeah, yeah, that's a great yeah, premise. It's really brilliant, yeah. Mm. And so I, I assume Adrian has to reckon with the death of Diana at some point in the books. He does, but I actually can't remember. Yeah. Um, 1997, she died. And the Cappuccino he... Years is 99, so there's a bit of a gap. Yeah. Oh, yeah. right, okay. Yeah. Maybe it's... Yeah, Cappuccino Years is nine. Oh, Cappuccino Years starts actually in 1997. So maybe he does. Um, that's where he's working as the chef. Mm. And Pandora is elected as an MP, a Blair's babe. Um, I think that's so funny that yeah. she becomes an MP. That's brilliant. <laughs> I love it. Actually, another vision of Pandora I always had in my head is, I don't know if you've ever watched The Wonder Years. No. Mm. Um, so Kevin Arnold is like the main character and his... The object of his affection is this girl called Winnie and she has long brown hair and she's beautiful. Mm. And again, in the Wonder Years, she's a teen, she's 14 or something. But I was like, oh my God, she's this siren. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> siren on a chopper bike. Like she is just incredible. Mm. So definitely I, I imagined Pandora as her as well. Mm. Yeah, I like that she becomes a Blair babe. Yeah. 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 All, all, I mean, I think I, all of the, the politics in it are all very very interesting because it's also you know it's not it's not that common to find a book about a young teenager that where 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 the teenager is expressly dealing with it like so it's, sometimes it'll be a theme of the book yeah and it will be part of the setting yeah but he's interested and yeah. like it, it's important to him that he understands yeah. politics if he is going to be an intellectual yeah um and it stands to him, I think. Yeah. You know, I, like he, he does learn a bit. Yeah. Bless him. <laughs> I remember when um, Tony Benn died and mm -hmm. he's another politician that's mentioned a lot in the books and his dad is a big Tony Benn supporter. 
And again, I was like, I don't know who that is. Something mm. to do with labor. I didn't know. But I remember Tony Ben died, I think also maybe in 2014 or a little bit later. And that was the reference mm. that I saw a lot of people like tweeting about it being like, oh, I knew about Tony Ben because he was in major in Mobile. Yeah. <laughs> and now he's died. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. Like it was, again, just a name I probably wouldn't really have come across. Mm. Um, you know, not being from the UK and not yeah. being immersed in uk politics really that much um but it but it it gives you sort of as as a young person reading it here or i mean especially in in the uk especially in england um it gives you those sorts of it 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 seems to be a book that will that will give kids a a grounding in the gist Mm. of Mm. politics which they don't get at all like there's No. no real class in school about like this is what the Labour Party believes, yeah. this is what the Conservatives believe. Like you you only learn that at home, really, yeah. through the reactions of your parents watching yeah, television exactly, and how yeah. they react when Margaret Thatcher comes on the news or, yeah. or whoever, or when Blair comes on the news. So to have like a little s- something in, in the book where it's like, here's a kid who's just like you, here's how he's figuring out who he likes. Like that's, that's really cool and really important. Yeah, and it's really like, I, I assume that it's probably taught or read in mm. some university mm. courses or, you know, as like a social document yes. because it follows politics so much. Yeah. Like even the fifth or sixth book is called Adrian Mullen, The Weapons of Mass Destruction. Yeah. Um, politics is such a backbone mm-hmm. in a lot of the books. Yeah. And like a Pandora's parents split up because their political allegiances kind of diverge with the like there's a split in the Labour Party and New Labour and they mm. split up because of that. And actually mm. in later books, Adrian's parents end up living with so I think it's Adrian's mother has an affair with Pandora's father. Oh my god. And then Pandora's mother ends up living. These parents. With, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> They can't, oh my God. And it's because of their politics. It's because new uh, labor forces them to kind of split up. I mean, it was probably coming anyway. But mm. um, yeah, it really does happen when Adrian's mother becomes the feminist and goes to Greenham Common. And yeah. Reads, like um, Adrian's sister Rosie is called Rosie Germain Lucas. Right. After Germain Greer. Yeah. I remember Doreen Slater, who is who Adrian's father has the first affair with, being described as having hairy ankles. Right. And I could not get my head around what that meant mm. it meant she was a feminist yeah. she didn't shave her legs but like he caught a glimpse of Doreen's hairy ankles yeah and it meant you know it and, meant and something and I was just like what in your head that's what? like is she a hobbit like, <laughs> I, she... like I don't think I realised that women could have very hairy legs ah uh, okay yeah. or I I couldn't get my head around mm. what that meant mm. but I mean now it makes so much sense yeah that, like that's it was just a very plain stereotype yeah. yeah there's a very funny moment where the the next door neighbor wife what's her name mrs um um who leaves the a- a- adrian and his dad's next door neighbor they're miss the dad has the affair with adrian's mother or the man has the affair with adrian's mother what's mrs. His name? Mrs. Lucas. yeah yeah so, <laughs> so sorry <laughs> um so mrs lucas leaves mr lucas and gets uh, and then uh, a van comes from like the women's refuge or something, mm. yeah. and she goes in and takes all her stuff out, and they drive off, and then she comes. They come around again in another car, like maybe late in the night or something, and she digs up all the plants, the plants. Mm. from the front garden, yeah, and like brings, and then like the, all, all these women drive off, and they're like shouting things at them, and just even that little community of supportive women for her I found so interesting to just kind of have in there like anyone could she could have had anybody drive her over like her sister or her mother or something but she gave her like a women's refuge community and then she goes like the adults lives are so chaotic like if you think about it now what was going on in those adults lives Mm. like just (laughs) horror constant affairs yeah poverty yeah like really really tough stuff really tough stuff and none of them deal well with it no no. Certainly in the first book. None like, of them no. have the tools to deal well no, with it. No, no. Um, and Adrian doesn't then as he grows up. And yeah. He goes through a lot of chaos. Yeah, yeah. It's that kind of cyclical thing of like he just did not let... Anything he learned, he learned from books. Yeah. Or from deciding to do whatever the opposite to what his parents do is, you know. One last um, set of characters I forgot to mention were the Irish characters in the mm. book. So 
in Adrian's cul-de-sac, there's a family who lives across the road called the O'Learys. Yeah. And there's kind of funny things dropped in here and there, but when they where they really come to life is on St. Patrick's Day. And if you if you go to all the March 17th entries in the books, yeah, there's almost always something funny about the O'Learys. In in the first one, it's Mr. O'Leary, I think, got, got thrown out of the butchers for singing or yeah. so, something like, <laughs> like that. They're always drunk by 10 a.m. Yeah. yeah. And then <laughs> his father goes over to like tell them to keep it down and then you know, my father went over at midday to tell him to keep it down. He arrived back at 2 a.m. And now he's also in jail with Mr. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I mean, it's it's a stereotype, but it's so it's not offensive. Mm. It's mm. so funny. Yeah. You're like, well, the Illyries are having a bloody great time. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. there's no badness to it. Like the, 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 the funny part of it is that Adrian is a 13 and three quarter year old who is being snooty about it. Yeah. Who's like, like yeah. how yeah. they like, not oh keep God. it down? And yeah. his parents are like, oh, I'll tell them to give it down. And then they're just like drinking. And then they're gone for the yeah. day. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I love that. The March 17th entries. Are yeah. Just... Yeah. I mean, I've been to family occasions with my family who live in England and it's not far off the mark. Yeah. They are all day things and the whole like community comes around. Like, it's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's really rare. There's only like a few that I can think of like Adrian, where we've kind of lived with them for that long. Mm. And it's kind of a privilege for someone to get to like write someone that long. Mm. It's like maybe Alan Partridge and Ashling, I guess. Yeah. Probably one, was Adrian in your mind when you were writing the books? Um, sh- not really, but I remember after maybe the first or the second book came out, someone compared Ashling to Adrian Moe. Mm. And A, that was such a thrill for me mm-hmm. like I and then thinking about it I remember me and Sarah who I write the books with we were thinking about it and we were like God, she is kind of yeah. like Adrian Mole like she she does a lot of observation that's very Ashling, mm-hmm. and that doesn't really go outside her mind mm. um, but she, she has a heart of gold and she doesn't really mean anything bad by it mm. um, but yeah definitely it was I was Adrian wasn't in my mind I don't think when I was writing but definitely the influence is there. Mm. Like, because Adrian Moe was just such a big influence on me as a teenager. And I read the book so much that it's like embedded in my mind. Mm. Um, so, and I think we probably did discuss writing Ashling as a diary. Yeah. From the from the get-go. Because the initial mm. Facebook stuff were like almost yeah, diary Yeah, it was entries. like diary entries. Yeah, yeah. And we probably were like, oh, we don't want it to be too much. Like, probably we didn't want it to be too much like Bridget Jones, but mm-hmm. also too much like Adrian Moe. Yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, definitely the influence is there, and to to have Ashlyn compared mm-hmm. to Adrian was just yeah. one of the biggest thrills. Because of my they're, life. they're they're both characters that you know the the joy of reading them is to just see how they in particular react in certain situations. Mm. So it's like you know with the, with the last book, it's like Ashlyn goes to New York, and you're like, oh my god, what is she going to be like in New York? <laughs> like, and it would be the same thing with with Adrian. Like you could you could put them in literally any situation, and the joy isn't necessarily like oh, well, what, what is, like, the plot going to be? Like, what's going to happen? It's like, no, how are they going to react yeah. to yeah. this level of stimulus, yeah. you know, and yeah. with their own particular... And we've, we've always said that with Ashling, it's like throwing stuff at her and yeah. seeing what seeing sticks what and what happens. Yeah, seeing how she reacts to it. I was reading some of the third Adrian Mull book last night. I just kind of opened the book and it fell, and he visits um, Moscow mm. with Pandora's father who works for the Dairy Council or works for some kind of, he works for some kind of milk yeah. related but he's not a milkman he's not a milkman as he is no no uh, he's a, he's a higher up he's a milk suit yes <laughs> Adrian ends up going with him on this milk trip mm. to Moscow and it's Adrian reacting yeah. to the Russians and it's just so funny of course Mr. Braithwaite ends up having a dalliance with some <laughs> Russian woman, brings, mm. them, brings her back to the room. Adrian has to go and sit in a cafe somewhere <laughs> watching. The, he says the Russians are eating their black bread, drinking their black tea. <laughs> <laughs> They're very stoic. <laughs> it's just brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I can definitely see the kind of, I think Ad- Adrian and Ashling, I'm like, I, I would love for them to meet. I'm like, yeah. what, what would she make of him? Like, or what would he make of her at all? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, yeah. Oh, please write that. <laughs> <laughs> just a thousand words. You don't have to publish it. You just send We've it to me. We've had so many people ask like, oh, what would it be like if Adrian and Russell Carl Kelly met? Oh, yeah, mm. yeah. I mean, that would be funny. But one thing I think that has always set Ashing a little bit apart from Ross is that his world is more fantastical. Mm. Mm. So I know like some really ridiculous things happen in the Ashling books, but in the Ross books, 
books there it is there is another level of kind of fantasy stuff yeah. that happens yeah um, there's a much larger suspension of disbelief I yes. think go, going into those books yeah. even though like the language is so real yeah um and how people speak to each other is so real yeah. there is that kind of extra level of fantasy within yeah them, you know, like I think I read in. one of the ones a few years ago and I think Ross meets Trump or Trump comes yeah. like it's yeah it's just a little bit too and I remember we've had people suggest oh Ashling should win the lotto or Ashling should yeah. go to space and it's like <laughs> <laughs> okay those are both books I would read <laughs> I'd absolutely read Ashling in space wow so Ashling going to New York like it what like well that's like going to space for her yeah you know, exactly. Like, yeah, and I mean, same thing. It's such a, it's such a, um, it's such a natural place for an Ashling to go. Oh, to. Yeah. It's like an mm-hmm. Ashling mecca. Yeah, yeah. And um, when we first started writing the Ashling books, I think people were still going to New York with empty suitcases. Mm. They don't really do that anymore because online shopping has kind of taken. You, know, I mean, you can get everything yeah. here. You don't need to go to America. Yeah. But but there was a time when. You know, but for her, it's like New York is it's the most glamorous place in the world yeah. because she watches Sex in the City. Yeah. And, and it's like a pilgrimage. Like it. Yeah, it it's, is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it is the Ashlings that are going to sit on Carrie's stoop. Yeah. Sarah and I were in New York just before Christmas mm. and she got up early one day and I didn't know she was doing it. And she came back. And she was like, well, I, I was taking a picture of Carrie's house. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, and you say I'm the bigger Ashling? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Sneaking out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, th- I, I would like to, I would like Ashling and Adrian. To oh my meet. God, maybe I'll yeah. do some fanfic. Yeah. Can you write fanfic about your own character? I, th- I think that's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's under a pen name, it's fine, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you could, you could donate it to something. Yeah. Just, yeah, we actually, Sarah and I have brought out like an Ashling diary the past few mm. years. And we've kind of had a different theme around, we write little entries for it each year, just so it's not just a diary. And mm. this year it is excerpts from Ashling's Teenage Diaries. Oh, wow. Um, okay. For each month. Yeah. Or sorry, for next year, for 2023, the diary is going to have excerpts. So that was fun mm. writing that. Yeah. And I can't remember. Did we put in the like 13 and a half and 17 and a quarter? Mm. Um, but we definitely chatted about it. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. directly influenced by Adrian, mm-hmm. obviously. Oh. Yeah. I think they'd get along. Yeah, I think they would too. Yeah. There we go. Mm. Is there anything that you think you're going to walk out here and go, I wish I'd mentioned that? Um, I don't think so. Like, I feel like I could go off on 17 mm-hmm. different tangents and like open pages of the book and be like, oh, this bit was so funny and this bit was so funny. It's just like, if you've never read them, if mm-hmm. you've never read even the first book, I, I can't really think of anyone who wouldn't enjoy as, I mean, as yeah. as someone who just read the first book as a as a grown human, um, I really really enjoyed it, and not in the way that an adult enjoys reading a kid's book because yeah. it's like, oh, this, oh, how clever! It's like it was, it's just really funny. Yeah, but and it was it published as an adult so book great. first. Yeah, it's yeah. So, that's the other thing. Like maybe my teacher kind of had a point mm. with being like, mm. maybe you're too young for this book. It's not really a kid's book. No. Um, no. It's written from the perspective, the first book is written from the perspective of a kid, but mm. it's got very adult themes and even all the politics stuff and there's yeah. a lot of stuff a kid just wouldn't understand. Yeah. Also, it's just great historical kind of yeah. look back. Like it's the starts in 1981, like that's 40 years ago. Yeah. So it is historical. <laughs> it, it reminded me, the, the humor in it reminded me of the feeling you get um when you laugh at a joke in the simpsons that you didn't get when you were a kid and you now understand yeah. that's the sort of thing that that's the sort of feeling i had reading it yeah um where it's just so all of the jokes are so clever and all of the stuff that adrian doesn't understand but is so obvious to you yeah there's something very i think there's like a reward pathway in our brains that al- allow us to like it's it's a funny but it's also be like haha i'm grown up i get it yeah. well done me i'm so yeah. aren't i clever and smart i i understand the mm-hmm. politics joke yeah um so like it, it is so so worth reading it and i will absolutely be reading the rest of them i think i'm i'm gonna go and like, yeah. yeah really do it i think, now. <laughs> I think i'm probably gonna go back i'll probably start for, i've read the first book so many times you don't need to read it again but i think yeah. i probably will mm-hmm. just to set yeah. myself up and i want to read the whole yeah yeah i'm definitely doing the same the whole because i just remember loving all of the ones i read up as far as weapons of mass destruction mm. um and the last two are the lost diaries of adrian mole 1999 to 2001 and then adrian mole the prostrate years prostrate rather than prostate mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> 
And yeah, I'm sad that Sue Townsend never got to finish. She died, I think she was about 68. So she died prematurely. She had oh. diabetes and died from complications of that. Um, I would also say to read The Queen and I. Yeah. Because it is just brilliant. It's mm. one of my favorite books. I always, um, I don't know if you ever like fantasize about being on Desert Island Discs. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And they say you can bring one book and mine would be The Collected Works. Of Adrian Albert Mole, okay, definitely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have that instead. You know the way they, she, she gives you the complete works of Shakespeare, Shakespeare just, and the Bible. Yeah, I'd be like, well, I might use those to light the fire. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably never be on Desert Island this, so I'd like to bring the collected works of Adrian <laughs> yes. Albert Mole, yeah. yeah. and my luxury item would be a swimming, a self-cleaning swimming pool. Thank you. Oh, very good. <laughs> very good idea. Emer, thank you so much. Please plug yourself for us. Um, I write the Ashling books with Sarah Breen. Mm-hmm. There are four books out. The last one, Ashling goes to New York. She does. Uh, before that, she goes through a lot of different <laughs> scrapes. So if you haven't read them, you might enjoy them. Uh, we do have an Ashling 2023 diary mm-hmm. that is coming out, I think, probably around October. And it does have Ashling's teenage diary entries in it. Uh, I write a column for the Irish Times. It's in the magazine every Saturday. I think that's all my plugging. Yeah. <laughs> Andrea, where can we find you? Um, again, nowhere. I'm, yeah. I'm still off social media. <laughs> it's it's really going great. Um, yes, I have a podcast, uh, My Favourite Album with Tall Tales Podcast. There's two seasons of that. So you can go and listen to that. Um, and I'm weekly on the Nile or Nine podcast. And that's it. Uh, I'm Alan underscore McGuire everywhere because I am still on social media forever and ever. Uh, <laughs> Juvenalia is Juvenalia underscore pod on Twitter and Juvenalia pod on Instagram. We have a Patreon where we do bonus episodes where we talk about what we started and finished in the last couple of weeks. And thank you to D McDonald for our artwork. Thank you to Fergal, Tall Tales, for producing us. <laughs> and thank you again to Emer. Um, see you soon, everybody. Bye. <laughs>